Well, howdy there, listener. Some books I read may contain sensitive subjects. Check the episode notes for content warnings. Hello and welcome to the Connor Reads Books Christmas Special. For the best listening experience, please listen using headphones or in your car. Enjoy. My name is Connor McGeverly, and this is Connor Reads Books. A show where I, Connor, read you a book, or a story from a book, or a piece of a book, regardless of what I read. And without further ado, let's begin. The scene begins amid a swirl of street life in Victorian London. Happy groups pass, brightly costumed carolers and families call out to one another and sing. A handsome young man parts through the crowd, talking with some of the children, giving them coins, and sending them away with a Merry Christmas, before heading to his uncle's shop. A Merry Christmas, uncle. God save you. Bah! Humbug! Christmas is a humbug, Uncle. I hope you meant that as a joke. Well, it's not. Come, what is it you want? Don't waste all day, nephew. I only want to wish you a Merry Christmas, Uncle. Uh, don't be cross. What else can I be when I live in such a world of fools as this? Merry Christmas? Out with Merry Christmas! What's Christmas to you but a time for paying bills without money? A time for finding yourself a year older, but not an hour richer. If I could work my will, every idiot who goes about with Merry Christmas on his lips should be boiled with his own pudding and buried with a stake of holly through his heart. Uncle, nephew, keep Christmas in your own way, and let me keep it in mine. Um, but you don't keep it. Then leave it alone, then. Much good it may do you. Much good it has ever done you. There are many things from which I might have found enjoyment by which I have not profited. I dare say Christmas among the rest. And though it has never put a scrap of gold in my pocket, I believe it has done me good and will do me good. And I say, God bless it. Bah! Don't be angry, uncle. Come, dine with us tomorrow. I'll dine alone, thank you. But why? Why? Why did you get married? Why? Because I fell in love with a wonderful girl. And I fell in love with being alone. Good afternoon. Nay, uncle, but you never came to see me before I was married. Why give it as a reason for not coming now? Good afternoon. I am sorry with all of my heart to find you so determined, but I have made the attempt to honor Christmas, and I'll keep that good spirit to the last. So... A Merry Christmas, Uncle. Good afternoon. And a Happy New Year. Good afternoon. <laughs> Merry Christmas. Bells. Is it necessary to always have these bells? Cratchit! Yes, sir. The bell, fool. See to it. Yes, sir. Merry Christmas. Wolves howling and a merry Christmas. It's for you, sir, 
Of course it's for me. You're not receiving callers, are you? Show them in. Right this way, sir. Yes, yes. Scrooge and Marley's, I believe. Have I the pleasure of addressing Mr. Scrooge or Mr. Marley? Marley's dead. Seven years tonight. What is it you want? I have no doubt that his kindness is well represented by his surviving partner. Here, sir, my card. Kindness? No doubt of it. All right, all right, I can read. What is it you want? At this festive season of the year... It's winter and cold. Yes, yes, it is, and all the more reason for my visit. At this time of the year, it is more than usually desirable to make some slight provision for the poor and penniless who suffer greatly from the cold. Many thousands are in want of common necessaries. Hundreds of thousands are in want of common comforts, sir. And there are no debtors' prisons? Many, sir. And the workhouse? Is it still in operation? It is, still. I wish I could say it was not. The poor law is still in full strength, then? Yes, sir. I'm glad to hear it. From what you said, I was afraid someone had stopped its operation. Under the impression that they barely provide Christian cheer of mind or body to many people, a few of us are hoping to raise fund to buy the poor some meat and drink and means of warmth. We chose this time because it is the time, of all others, when want is strongly felt and abundance rejoices. May I put you down for something, sir? Nothing. You wish to be anonymous? I wish to be left alone. Since you ask me what I wish, sir, that is my answer. I don't make merry myself at Christmas, and I can't afford to make lazy people merry. I help support the establishments I have mentioned— they cost enough, and those who are poorly off must go there. Many can't go there, and many would rather die. If they would rather die, they had better do it and decrease the surplus population. That is not my affair. My business is. It occupies me constantly. Scrooge talks to both the gentleman visitor and himself while he thumbs through his books. Ask a man to give up life and means? Fine thing. What is it? I want to know. Charity? Damned charity! His nose deep in his books, he vaguely hears the dinner bell being rung in the workhouse. He looks up as if he had heard it, but never focuses on the actual scene. The warder of the poorhouse stands in a pool of light at the far left, slowly ringing a bell. The poorly clad, dirty residents of the poorhouse line up and file to get their evening dish of gruel, wordlessly accepting it and going back to eat listlessly in the gloom. Latch the door, Cratchit! Firmly! Firmly! A draft as cold as Christmas blowing in here. Charity! Cratchit! Cratchit! Yes, sir? Well, to work, then. It's evening, sir. Is it? Christmas evening, sir. Oh, you'll want all day tomorrow off, I suppose. If it's quite convenient, sir. It's not convenient, and it's not fair. 
If I was to deduct half a crown from your salary for it, you'd think yourself ill-used, wouldn't you? Still, you expect me to pay a day's wage for a day of no work. It's only once a year, sir. Be here all the earlier next morning. I will, sir. Then off. Off. Yes, sir. Merry Christmas, sir. Bah! As soon as Cratchit opens the door, the sounds of the street begin, very bright and loud. Cratchit is caught up in a swell of people hurrying down the street. Scrooge suddenly finds himself in a room left very empty. He goes around, blowing out candles, closing up shop. Christmas Eve, carolers, bah, there, another day. He opens his door and peers out, before closing it and locking up the shop. Black, very black. Now where are they? Begging for pennies for their songs, are they? Oh, boy. Winding his way through the streets, Scrooge finds himself before a tall, dark building. Hold it quiet. There. Off now. That's it. High. Black as pitch. The house of Ebenezer Scrooge. Yes, here's the key. He turns the key toward the door, and the face of Jacob Marley, Scrooge's deceased business partner, swims out of the darkness. Scrooge sees this, unable to speak. He fumbles for a match trying to light a lantern, and swings it toward the figure, which seemingly is no longer there. Scrooge fits the key in the lock and turns it when the door is suddenly opened from the inside by the porter, Sparset. What? Sparset? Yes, sir. Hurry, hurry, the door, close it. Did you knock, sir? Knock? What matter? Here, light me up the stairs. Yes, sir. He leads Scrooge up the stairs. They pass the cook on the way. Something to warm you, sir. Porridge? <laughs> Fright a man nearly out of his life. <laughs> Merry Christmas, sir. Her hands extended, waiting for her Christmas coin. Merry Christmas, bah! Scrooge ignores the request, and the cook disappears, mumbling. Scrooge continues to follow Sparset. Your room, sir. Hmm? Oh, yes, yes. And good night. Merry Christmas, sir. Sparset extends his hand for a coin. Yes, yes. Uh, out! Out! He closes the door after Sparset turns toward his chamber and discovers the charwoman, a woman hired to do the cleaning, directly behind him. Warm your bed for you, sir. What? Out! Out! I, sir. Merry Christmas, Scrooge. What's that? Me, sir? Uh, not a thing, sir. Then good night. Good night. Scrooge, ready for bed, warms himself before the heap of coals. As he pulls his nightcap from a chair, a small handbell tumbles off onto the floor. Startled, he picks it up and rings it for reassurance. An echo answers it. Scrooge escapes to his bed. The bell sounds grow to a din, incoherent as in a dream, then suddenly falls silent.
Scrooge sits up in bed, listens, and hears the chains of Marley coming up the stairs. Scrooge reaches for the bell pull to summon Sparset. The bell responds with a gong, and Marley appears. What? What do you want with me? Match? Uh, Who are you? Ask who I was. Who were you? In life, I was your partner, Jacob Marley. He's dead. Seven years this night, Ebenezer Scrooge. Why do you come here? I must. It is commanded me. I must wander the world and see what I can no longer share. What I would not share when I walked where you do. And must you go thus? But Shane, look at it, Ebenezer. Study it. Locks and vaults and golden coins. I forged it, each link. Each day when I sat in these chairs, commanded these rooms. Greed, Ebenezer Scrooge. Wealth. Feel them. Know them. Yours was as heavy as this I wear seven years ago, and you have laboured to build it since. If you're here to lecture, I have no time for it. It is late, the night is cold, I want comfort now. I have none to give. I know not how you see me this night. I did not ask it. I have sat invisible beside you many a day. I am commanded to bring you a chance, Ebenezer. Heed it. Quickly, then. Quickly. You will be haunted by three spirits. (laughs) Is that the chance? Mark it. I choose not to. Then you will walk where I do, burdened by your riches, your greed. Spirits mean nothing to me. Expect the first tomorrow when the bell tolls one. The second the next night at the same hour. The third, upon the next night, when the last stroke of twelve has ended. Look to see me no more. I must wander. Look that. Jacob, don't leave me. Jacob, Jacob! Goodbye, Ebenezer. Jacob, don't, don't leave me. It can't be. Twelve? Midnight? No, not twelve. It can't be. I haven't slept the whole day through. Twelve? Yes, yes, twelve noon. Black. Twelve midnight. I must get up. A day wasted. I must get down to the office. Uh, Quarter past. But it rang twelve. Fifteen minutes haven't gone past. Not so quickly. A quarter to one. The spirit. It's to come at one. One. The hour is struck again by a large street clock, and the first spirit appears. It is a figure dressed to look like a little girl's doll. Are you the spirit whose coming was foretold to me? I am. Who and what are you? I am the ghost of Christmas past. Long past? Your past. Why are you here? Your welfare. Rise. Walk with me. I am mortal still. I cannot pass through air. My hand. Scrooge grasps the spirit's hand tightly, and the doll's bell rings softly. 
Scrooge remembers a scene from his past in which two boys greet each other in the street. Hello, Jack. Ben? Merry Christmas, Ben. Jack Walton? Young Jack Walton? Spirits? Have a good holiday, Jack. Yes, yes, I remember him. Both of them. Little Ben Benjamin, he used to... See you next term, Jack. They... They're off for the holidays and going home from school. It's Christmas time. All of the children off home now. No, no, not all. There was one. The spirit motions for Scrooge to turn, and he sees a young boy sitting on a bench reading a book. Yes, reading, poor boy. What, I wonder? Reading? Oh, it was nothing. Fancy, all fancy and make-believe and take me away. All of it. Yes, nonsense. Alibaba. Yes, yes, that was it. Genie, take me to the gate of Damascus. Yes, O oh master, and the jewels I shall bring you, and gold and myrrh and frankincense. And they put him down. Do you remember? That silly one at the gate of Damascus, in his underdrawers, asleep. Yes, yes. The genie turned the sultan's groom upside down and stood him on his head. Served him right, I say. And all the thieves and the jars of oil. Yes, yes, and running them through. This and this and this for each of you. Yes, and remember. And remember... Uh, remember Robinson Crusoe. And the parrot. Yes, the parrot. I love him best. With his stripy green body and yellow tail drooping along and couldn't sing. Ark! But could talk, like a thing of lettuce growing out the top of its head. And he used to sit on the very top of the tree, up there. And Robinson Crusoe sailed around the island, and he thought the parrot said... Uh, the parrot said... Robinson Crusoe? Where have you been? Ark! Robinson Crusoe? Where you been? <laughs> and Robinson Crusoe looked up in the tree and saw the parrot and knew that he hadn't escaped and that he was still there, still all alone there. Poor Robinson Crusoe. Poor child. Poor child. Why poor? Fancy. Uh, fancy. <laughs> it's his way. Uh, a child's way to, to lose being alone in, in dreams. Never matter if they are all nonsense. Yes, nonsense. But he'll be all right and grow out of it. Yes, yes, he did outgrow it. The nonsense. Became a man and left there and, and he became... Yes, he became a man. And, yes, successful. Rich. Uh, never matter. Never matter. Suddenly, Fan... Scrooge's sister runs in and goes to child Scrooge. Fan! Dear brother, dear brother! Dear, dear Fan, I've come to bring you home. Home for good and ever. Come with me. Come now. Come, Ebenezer. Let me watch them go. Let them be happy for a moment. A delicate, delicate child. A breath might have withered her. She dies a woman. And had, as I remember, children. One child. 
Your nephew. Yes, yes, Fred, my nephew. Well, well, all of us have that, haven't we? Childhoods, sadness. But we grow and we become men, masters of ourselves. I've no time for it, spirit. Music and all your Christmas nonsense. Yes, yes, I've learnt what you have to show me. The spirit raises her hands in a gesture, and suddenly the surroundings shift. Music begins to swell, and the spirit and Ebenezer find themselves in a room being decorated for a grand Christmas party. Yo-ho there, Ebenezer! Fezziwig! It's old Fezziwig that I apprenticed under. Your master? Oh, yes. And the best that any boy could have. And there's Dick Wilkins. Bless me. He was very much attached to me, was Dick. Poor Dick. Dear, dear. Yo, my boys. No more work tonight. Christmas Eve, Dick. Christmas, Ebenezer. Let's have the shutters up before a man can say Jack Robinson. Dancers fill the ballroom in Fezziwig's wonderful Christmas party. In the midst of the dancing and the laughter, servants pass back and forth through the crowd with huge platters of food. At a pause in the music, young Ebenezer, who is dancing, calls out, Fezziwig, sir, you are a wonderful master. A wonderful master. Just because he gave us a party? It was very small. Small? He spent a few pounds of your mortal money. Three, four at best. Is that so much that he deserves this praise? But it wasn't the money. He had the power to make us happy, to make our service light or burdensome. The happiness he gives is quite as great as if it had cost a fortune. That's what a good master is. Yes? No, no, nothing. Something, I think. I should like to be able to say a word or two to my clerk just now, that's all. But all this is in your past. Your clerk Cratchit couldn't be here. No, no, of course not. An idle thought. Are we done? Nearly. Surely it's enough. Haven't you tormented me enough? I only show the past. What it promised you. Look, another promise. Ebenezer looks back to the dance floor, realizing this is no longer Fezziwick's Christmas party. Young Ebenezer is seen waltzing with his sweetheart. Oh, oh yes, I had forgotten her. Don't they dance beautifully? So young, so young. I would have married her, if only. Can you love me, Ebenezer? I bring no dowry into my marriage. Only me. Only love. It is no currency that you can buy and sell with. But we can live with it. Can you? She pauses, then returns the ring Scrooge gave to her as his pledge. I release you, Ebenezer, for the love of the man you once were. Will that man win me again, now that he is free? If only you held me to it. You should not have let me go. I was young. I did love you. We have never lied to one another, 
May you be happy in the life you have chosen. Goodbye. No. No, it was not meant that way. You cannot change now what you could not change then. I am your mistakes, Ebenezer Scrooge. All of the things you could have done and did not. And leave me. I have done with them. I shall live with them. As I have. As I do. As I will. There is another Christmas. Seven years ago. When Marley died. No. I will not see it. I will not. He dies. I could not prevent it. I did not choose for him to die on Christmas Day. And when his day was chosen, what did you do then? I looked after his affairs. His business? It was all I had. All that I could do in this world. I have nothing to do with the world to come after. Then I will leave you. Not yet. Don't leave me here. Tell me what I must do. What of the other spirits? They will come. And you? What of you? I am always with you. Scrooge returns to his bedroom, and numbly heads to bed. One minute until one. No one here. No one's coming. A bell chimes. Scrooge sits upright in bed as he hears these chimes. Emerging from a dark corner of the room, he sees the second spirit. Fezziwig! Hello, Scrooge! But you can't be. Not Fezziwig. Do you see me, Asm? I-, I do. And hear me, Asm? I do. <laughs> I wish I were the gentleman, so as not to disappoint you. But you're not. No, Mr. Scrooge, you have never seen the like of me before. I am the ghost of Christmas present. But you will see what you will see, Scrooge, no more. Will you walk out with me this Christmas Eve? Uh, But I'm not yet dressed. Take my tails, dear boy. We're leaving. Wait! What is it now? Christmas present, did you say? I did. Then we are travelling here. In this town. London? Just down there? Oi, oi, of course. Uh, then we could walk. Your flying is, well, uh, too sudden for an old man. Well? It's your Christmas, Scrooge. I'm only the guide. Then can we walk? Scrooge and the spirit step off into the street. Where are you guiding me to? I'm leading you to Bob Cratchit's. My clerk... You did want to talk to him. Well, I, um... Don't worry, Scrooge. You won't have to. (laughs) Shouldn't be much of a trip. With fifteen bob a week, how far off can it be? The world away, Scrooge. At least that far. Scrooge and the spirit continue off into the winter night. Before coming to the Cratchit home. That is the way to it, Scrooge. Magically entering the Cratchit's home, they see Mrs. Cratchit and her children. Mrs. Cratchit sings as she puts Tiny Tim and her other children to bed, bed, all in one big bed. She pulls a dark blanket over them. When you wake, you shall have all the pretty little horses, blacks and bays, dapples and greys, all the pretty little horses. To sleep now, all of you. Christmas tomorrow.
And how did our tiny little Tim behave? As good as gold and better. He told me, coming home, that he hoped the people saw him in the church because he was a cripple, and it might be pleasant for them to remember upon Christmas Day who made the lame walk and the blind to see. He's a good boy. Oh, the wind. Hardly hospitable is what I'd say. Oh, they'd say a great deal more, Scrooge, if they could see you. Oh, they should, should they? Well, I might have a word for them. You're here to listen. Oh, oh yes, all right. By the fire? But not a word. My dear, to Mr. Scrooge, I give you, Mr. Scrooge, the founder of the feast. The founder of the feast, indeed. I wish I had him here. I'd give him a piece of my mind to feast upon, and I hope he'd have a good appetite for it. My dear, Christmas Eve. It should be Christmas Eve, I'm sure, when one drinks to the health of such an odious, stinky, hard, unfeeling man as Mr. Scrooge. You know he is, Robert. Nobody knows it better than you, poor dear. I only know one thing on Christmas, that one must be charitable. I'll drink to his health for your sake, and the day's, not for his. Long life to him, a merry Christmas and a happy new year. He'll be very merry and very happy, I have no doubt. If he cannot be, we must be happy for him. A song is what is needed. Tim! Shash! I've just gotten him down, and he needs all the sleep he can get. If he's asleep on Christmas Eve, I'll be much mistaken. Tim! He must sing, dear. There is nothing else that might make him feel well. Yes, father. Are you awake? Just a little. A song, then. Spirit, I, uh, I've i seen enough. All right, let's go, then. Tony Tim, uh, will he live? He is very ill. Even song cannot keep him whole through a cold winter. But you haven't told me. If he be like to die, he had better do it and decrease the surplus population. Erase, Scrooge, those words from your thoughts. You are not the judge. Do not judge, then. It may be that in the sight of heaven you are more worthless and less fit to live than millions like this poor man's child. Oh, God! To hear an insect on a leaf pronouncing that there is too much life among his hungry brothers in the dust. Goodbye, Scrooge. But is there no happiness in Christmas present? There is. Take me there. It is at the home of your nephew. No. Then there is none. But that, that isn't enough. You must teach me. Would you have a teacher, Scrooge? Look at your own words. But the first spirit gave me more. He was Christmas past. There was a lifetime he could choose from. I have only this day. One day. And you, Scrooge. I have nearly lived my fill of both. Christmas present must be gone at midnight. And that is near now. Two shabbily dressed children emerge from a dark alleyway. The ghost of Christmas present beckons them forth to his side. Is this the last spirit who will come to me? They are no spirits. They are real. Hunger. Ignorance. Not spirits, Scrooge. Passing dreams. They are real. 
They walk your streets, look to you for comfort, and you deny them. Deny them not too long, Scrooge. They will grow and multiply, and they will not remain children. Have they no place to go? No resource for help? There are no prisons? There are no workhouses? The ghost of Christmas present turns with the children. Come, it's Christmas Eve. And they exit the scene. Back in his darkened room, Scrooge is entirely alone for a long moment. Well, leave me alone, will you? He is frightened by the darkness and feels it Uh, approaching him. Certainly dark. Suddenly he stops, sensing the presence of the third spirit. He turns towards it. You. And sees it. You're the third. This spirit is tall, but bent and cloaked, with no physical features that are distinguishable. The ghost of Christmas yet to come. Tell me what is to happen. To me. To all of us. Then show me what I must see. The spirit snaps, and light illuminates the shadows of Scrooge's room. I know it. I know it too well. Cold and cheerless. It is mine. Scrooge turns to see his bed is filled with his own corpse, laying motionless. The cook and the charwoman enter the room, timidly, before they begin rifling through his pockets and looking through his drawers, pocketing his valuables. What is... There are thieves! There are thieves in my rooms! He starts forward to confront them, but the spirit beckons for him to stop. I cannot... You cannot tell me that I must watch them and do nothing. I will not! It is still mine. He rushes into the room to claim his belongings and to protect them. The two women do not know his presence. He ain't about, is he? (laughs) Poor old Scrooge has met his end. And time for it, too. Ain't been alive indeed for half his life. But the Sparset's nowhere, is he? Sparset emerges from the doorway. Looking for someone, ladies. There ain't enough but for the two of us. More than enough, if you know where to look. Hardly decent is what I'd say. Hardly decent. The poor old fella hardly cold and your thief in his wardrobe. There's no time for that. Sparset acknowledges Scrooge for the first time, gesturing toward him as if the living Scrooge were the corpse. Scrooge stands as if rooted to the spot, held there by the power of the spirit. He ain't about to bother us, is he? Ain't he a picture? If he is, he ain't a happy one. <laughs> Ladies, shall we start? Cook? They're gold, ain't they? The purest, madam. I always had a fancy for that nightcap of his. My old man could use it. Being a man of practical taste, I'll go for the worsted and hope the smell ain't permanent. Cook, round we go again. You think that little belly's always ringing at me is silver enough to sell? No, no more! As the spirit directs Scrooge's attention to the tableau of the three thieves standing poised over the silver bell, Scrooge bursts from the room, clad only in his nightshirt. I cannot! I cannot! The room is too like a cheerless place that is familiar. I won't see it. Let us go from here. Anywhere. 
The spirit directs his attention to the Cratchit house. The children are sitting together near Mrs. Cratchit, who is sewing a coat. Her son Peter reads by the light of the fire. And he took a child and set him in the midst of them. The light tires my eyes, so they're better now. It makes them tired to try to see by firelight. And I wouldn't show reddened eyes to your father when he comes home for the world. It must be near his time now. Past it, I think. But he walks slower than he used to these last few days, mother. I have known him to walk with Tiny Tim upon his shoulder very fast indeed. But he was very light to carry. And his father loved him. So that it was no trouble. No trouble. Smiles, everyone. Smiles. My dear... Peter, how's it coming? Nearly done. Yes, good. I'm sure that it will be done long before Sunday. Sunday? You went today then, Robert? Yes, it's... it's already two o'clock and a nice place. It would have done you good to see how green it is, but you'll see it often. I promised him that, that I would walk there on Sunday, often. We mustn't hurt ourselves for it, Robert. No. No, he wouldn't have wanted that. Come now. You won't guess who I've seen. Scrooge's nephew, Fred. And he asked after us and said he was heartily sorry and to give his respect to my good wife. How he ever knew that, I don't know. Knew what, my dear? Why, that you were a good wife. Everybody knows that. I hope that they do. Heartily sorry, he said, for your good wife, and if I can be of any service to you in any way. And he gave me his card. That's where I live. And Peter, I shouldn't be at all surprised if he got you a position. Only hear that, Peter. And then you'll be keeping company with some young girl and setting up for yourself. Oh, go on. Well, <laughs> it will happen, one day. But remember... When that day does come, as it must, we must, none of us, forget poor tiny Tim and this first parting in our family. He died. No. No. Because he would not. No. You cannot tell me that he has died, for that Christmas has not come. I will not let it come. I will be there. It was me. Yes. Yes, and I knew and couldn't look. I won't be able to help. I won't. Spirit, hear me. I am not the man I was. I will not be that man that I have been for so many years. Why show me all of this if I am past all hope? Assure me that I yet may change these shadows you have shown me. Let the boy live. I will honor Christmas in my heart and try to keep it all the year. I will in the past, the present, and the future... The spirits of all three shall thrive within me. I will not shut out the lessons that they teach. Oh, tell me I am not too late. <gasps> the curtains. They are mine, and they are real. They are not sold. They are here. I am here. The shadows to come may be dispelled. They will be. I know they will be. <laughs> ah, I'm as light as a feather, as merry as a boy again. Merry Christmas! Merry Christmas! A happy new year to all the world! 
Hello there! Woo! Hello! What day of the month is it? How long did the spirits keep me? Never mind. I don't care. What's today? Huh? What's the day, my fine fellow? Today? Why, today's Christmas Day. It's Christmas Day. I haven't missed it. The spirits have done it all in one night. They can do anything they like. Of course they can. Of course they can save Tim. Hello, my fine fellow. Hello. Do you know the polterers in the next street at the corner? I should hope I do. An intelligent boy. Remarkable boy. Do you know whether they've sold the prize turkey that was hanging up there? Not the little prize, the big one. What? The one as big as me? What a delightful boy! Yes, my bucko! It's hanging there now. It is! Go and buy it! Oh, go on. I'm in earnest. Go and buy it and tell them to bring it here, that I may give them the direction where to take it. Come back with the butcher and I'll give you a shilling. Come back in less than two minutes, I'll give you half a crown. Right. Guy! I'll send it to Bob Cratchits. He shan't know who sends it. It's twice the size of Tiny Tim, and such a Christmas dinner it will make. I... I must dress. <laughs> I must. It's Christmas Day. I must be in all my best for such a day. Where is my china silk shirt? The boy and the butcher return with the turkey. What? Back already? And such a turkey! Why, you can't carry that all the way to Cratchit's! Here, boy, here's your half-crown, and here an address to Camden Town. See that it gets there. Here, money for the cab, for the turkey, and for you, good man! The boy and the butcher, delighted, catch the money and run out on their delivery. Scrooge sees the gentleman visitor he saw yesterday walking by the window. You! Hello, sir! Hello, sir. My dear sir, how do you do? I hope you succeeded yesterday. It was very kind of you to stop by to see me. Mr. Scrooge? Yes, that is my name, and I fear it may not be pleasant to you. Allow me to ask your pardon, and will you have the goodness to add this to your good work? Lord, bless me. My dear Mr. Scrooge, are you serious? If you please, not a penny less. A great many back payments are included in it, I assure you. Will you do me that favor? My dear sir, I, I don't know what I can say to such generosity. Say nothing. Accept it. Come and see me. Will you come and see me? I, I will. Thank you. I am much obliged to you. I thank you fifty times. God bless you and Merry Christmas. A Merry Christmas to you, sir. <laughs> now, which is the way to that nephew's house? Girl! Girl! Yes, sir. Can you find me a taxi, miss? I can, sir. Can you show me the way to this home? I can, sir. Good man. Come up, girl. Would you be an old man's guide to a Christmas dinner? I would, sir. And God bless you. Yes, God bless us, everyone. Driver, to Christmas! <laughs> the carriage stops in front of Fred's house. The Cratchits are there with Tiny Tim. 
All stop moving and talking when they see Scrooge standing in the center, embarrassed and humble. Well, I'm very glad to be here at my nephew's house. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Tiny Tim, come. Let me hoist you upon my shoulders, boy. That sounds great, sir. Merry Christmas! And God bless us, everyone! Yes! Oh, yes! God bless us, everyone! The End This has been Connor Reads Books. I hope you enjoyed the episode. If you have, please share and leave a review. Feel free to check out my social medias at Voice. Links in the episode notes. A big thank you to Louis Sanders, the producer of the Connor Reads Books theme song. Until next we turn the page, toodaloo.